Here it is, another episode of the Infinite Banter Podcast. I am Mark Jollop. Thanks for checking out the show. I appreciate everybody who's been listening and reposting. And can't give enough props to my man, Mr. Greenweeds, who was on the last episode. So much fun talking to him. He is definitely uh, someone I'll have on in the future. Got to hear that story about the symphony and all his accounts from guys like Cool Giraffe and Master Ace, Big Daddy Kane, to talk about the history of that record and how it all came together. On this episode here... Another great MC is coming on. So geeked to have him on here. This is the one and only Acrobatic will be on this episode. So definitely stay tuned. Play a couple songs of his. His new one, it's called Copay with LX Beats. It is just uh, so timely with the environment we're living in, with the politics of healthcare. Definitely stay tuned for the end of that interview. We'll play that new song, Copay. As always, you can find this show on all digital platforms. A couple real quick off the top here. You know, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Mixcloud. Also on Podchaser, Downcast, Podacy, Pocketcast, Stitcher, Deezer. So many. You know, if you follow me on Twitter at Infinite Banter or at DJ Soundwave 75, I'm always posting where you can listen to the show. Facebook at Infinite Banter and on Instagram at DJ Soundwave 75. So really excited to play this interview with Acrobatic and a couple of his songs as well as his new one, Copay. But before we get to Acrobatic, before we do anything, this show never starts until the one and only DMC says this. Yo, yo, what's up? This is me, DMC, the K-I-N-G, the greatest MC in history. And right now, you're listening to Infinite Banter, because we will banter on forever, because this is the only place for all of y'all to ever be. I be Infinite Banter. Before we get into this acrobatic interview, let's go ahead and play a song to get everybody acclimated with him. I talk about this song in the interview. It's called Remind My Soul off of his album Balance. Probably my favorite song of his, and it's really fitting to celebrate Black History Month here. This is Remind My Soul. If you've never heard it, get ready to be taken on a journey here. This song is just so great and uh, really a deep-rooted message inside this song. So here it is, Remind My Soul from Acrobatic. And on the other side of this, we'll talk to the man himself on the Infinite Banter Podcast. Here. It makes me wonder how a black man could ever raise a child out here. You know we all crumb snatchers in this land of big cake. So why we killing for the crumbs when there's so much at stake? We no longer supposed to be slaves. I bet Harriet Tubman would be turning in a grave. Like remind my soul of the time we were great before the self-hate. My elders all feel the same, it's no bravery. You're supposed to fight for freedom, not just to end the slavery. Are we too selfish to even bless the kids with jewels? So our youth don't get played out for fools? Or will they get programmed how to behave? Malcolm X must be turning in his grave, like remind my soul. Of the time we were great before the self-hate. 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 The time we were great. Wait, we still great, but... I point these things out, brothers and sisters, so that you and I will know the importance yeah. of being in complete unity with each other, harmony with each other, and not letting the man maneuver us in fighting one another. I better with this dread, said peace, respect. He said respect, man, I've seen that's around here yet. Black man kill himself for limited amount of wealth, and him disrespecting women, so I'm disrespecting himself. I agree with what the dread had to get off of his chest. Bob Marley would be disturbed from his rest, like remind my soul 
of the time we were great before the self-hate. Can't work a dead end nine to five for what? To be another victim of social security cuts? I gotta cut myself from the chains and run free. Empower myself and leave my own authority. People die so I don't have to be a runaway slave. Nat Turner must be turning in his grave like remind my soul. Of the time we were great before the self-hate. 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 The time we were great. Wait, we still great, but to worship these rappers and athletes and actors, many who think they're better and they'll walk right past you. It's what you do off camera and off the court that really makes you worthy of the people's support. But some brothers get those millions and forget how to behave. Arthur Ashe must be turning in his grave like remind my soul of the time we were great before the self-hate. We crabs in a barrel. You ain't getting out until I do first and that's why the guns burst. Whatever happened to strength in numbers? Some of the greatest minds on the planet are among us. But so many start off struggling and never get saved. Man, Martin must be turning in his grave like remind my soul. Of the time we were great before the self-hate. 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 The time we were great. You're tuned into the Infinite Banter podcast. I am Mark Jolliffe, aka DJ Soundwave, and I am just geeked to be joined by my guest here. He has a new album with LX Beats, AKLX, available on all streaming platforms. You heard him with The Perceptionist, with Mr. Liff, DJ Fax One. Classic albums to his credit like Balance, Absolute Value, Built to Last, Wrestling Geek like myself, the Boston legend MC, Ack, the one and only Acrobatic is in the building. What's going on, Acrobatic? Man, peace, Soundwave. Yo, man, thank you so much for that introduction, man. I try to do a Howard Finkel for you, you know, try to make it. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt, the Fink, man, the Fink. I I used to go see him live in person, man, at the the old Boston Garden. I'm, I'm dating myself there but that's all right did that yeah I, I wanted to say parts unknown but i kind of know where you're from sort of so you know yeah or not nah, we know we know where i'm from <laughs> <laughs> man so uh for people who don't know who acrobatic is and you know shame on you but anyway yeah. let the heads out there know about acrobatic how you first got started in the rap game um well i mean that's that's going way back i mean you know i got introduced to to hip hop music basically through my mom playing vinyl in the house, you know what I mean? Like I I uh have like real early memories of her playing like The Message by Grandmaster Flash. Wow. And, and, and yeah, and, and Rapper's Delight. Like these songs were just bumping through my house and and definitely it was vinyl. Like I can remember I see in my mind's eye the, the record cover of like Sugar Hill Records. And, and stuff like that so like the, and there was also a uh 
a skating rink that my mom, because my mom had me young, you know, I think she was like about to be 20 or something like that. And and so she used to take me all everywhere all the time. So like she would take me to the skating rink and the skating rink like played primarily disco, but they would also throw on the whatever the, the new rap songs were. And they were, you know, we're talking like the very beginning. I, I had the, you know, good fortune of being born at the time when hip hop was really just getting started. And so I grew up with it. And it grew up with me. And, and so when I got to the age of like high school, by the time I was, you know, 14 or 15, I was already like writing my own songs, my own verses with my boys and stuff like that, making, making pause tapes off of other people's beats. And, you know, they weren't perfect, but we were able to get ourselves recorded and listen to it. And, you know, eventually, you know, once I became old enough to, to be out on my own, just like a young adult, I started meeting all the, the other cats who were doing what I was doing. And, you know, then you, you start hitting the ciphers and, and you start getting with crews of cats that are all just like rhyming together and started, started building reputations. And so this one guy, his name was Pete Bazil. He, uh, he was planning on starting an independent label. And that, that label would ultimately become Detonator Records, which if you remember going way back, I had a, I, my first release was an EP. It was called The EP. Uh, creatively enough, but uh, yeah, kind of like Digital Underground, came, right? Where they had that uh, EP yeah, release. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that came about because uh, Pete decided to throw an event where he had he rented out a recording studio and he had all the MCs that he knew of that were like well known on the streets, you know, for freestyling and stuff like that. Nobody had any records out then except uh maybe maybe i want to say no this is this is before that i was going to say maybe seven l and esoteric but this was even before that in terms of when this event happened so newberry sound studio everybody all the mcs are there you know i'm there uh, uh lift was there uh you know so many boston rappers maybe some that aren't aren't known on the on the international scene or the national scene now but at the time you know the business cat t max um t max actually might have been the one guy who at this event had a record out he had this single called fantasy island that was bubbling on the radio and his manager was dude a dude named g spin dj g spin g spin was the dj at the event and he was just spinning freestyle uh, instrumentals while everybody passed the mic to turn freestyle. And so after that was all over, Pete was like, yo, I think you're the dude. I, I love your rhymes. And I think you got a real powerful voice. You know, what do you think about putting together uh, a single to, to, to drop, you know? And so yada, 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 there it was. I ended up putting out my first 12 inch single with Detonator Records uh, through Pete. And that, that single was called Rough Enough. And, once that dropped, it started to get a lot of uh, college radio spins, particularly in Canada for some reason. I don't, I don't know what that's about, but you know, <laughs> all that. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea how that happened, but that exposure maybe that has something to do with the distribution, just where the record went, right. caught on, you know. And, and, and so that turned into us go ahead, going ahead and finishing the EP, and and you know the rest is history. That you know. People like like Fax and and Liv and, and my boy Peyton, they they all jumped on and just started to help me out build building my sound and things like that. And and then later, of course, uh, I got the the record deal with Coup d'Etat and put out the Balance album. And the rest of there is pretty much history. Rough enough was your first vinyl single, right? Is that what you said? 
Yep, Rough Enough was the first vinyl single. That was in uh, 98. That was in, that was in summer, summer 98. It was Rough Enough, and on the B-side, there was a track called Woman, and there was a bonus oh, right. cut called The Fat Shit, which which was me just beatboxing. Well, I don't know if I can curse my bad. I'm, no, no, you go ahead. You, uh, you can do whatever you I'm want, good, man. I'm good. Okay, cool. All right, word <laughs> up. So The Fat Shit had, had Mr. Lip on the track with me, and I was beatboxing to the beat. So it was those three songs. So I made all the beats. I, I produced my whole entire first single and most of the tracks on my first EP as well because it all kind of started with, with me and Liz hanging out. Like once me and Liz met around the time of that, that freestyle event, you know, we became just best friends from day one and, and we would hang out at his crib and just make beats. He had an ASR 10 in his crib and, and you know, we would make beats and, and the beats that I made at his crib ended up being, you know, the, the beats on, on my singles and my EP. And Liftus has one of those voices that's definitely recognizable the second you hear it. Was he always like that? Absolutely. I think I think that that's always been part of his mystique is that he had such a unique, distinct voice that, like you said, as soon as you hear him say two words, you're like, oh, that's Mr. Lift. And then to have a voice like that and be someone that has like, I mean, probably the most insightful stuff to say out of everybody. Man. You know what I mean? It's just just amazing that when I look back at it now, I'm like, it's really, really, to me, just amazing that, you know, brothers were coming up with the lyrics and conceptual ideas that we were coming up with at that early stage in hip hop at such a young age, you know? And and I think that's that's one of the things in hip hop that has we've maybe gotten away from a little bit. Um, or at least it felt that way for a while where it just seemed as though when we were coming up, we had that, we had the younger MCs, like we had 21 year old Rakim and 22 year old KRS one. And they were, they were giving us all these uplifting messages and things like that. And then, you know, once, once the capitalism part became such a viable part of hip hop, right. it felt like the, the maturity aspect of the MC took a longer time to come about because everybody was jumping into the game to try to get a piece of this gold rush that was going on, you know? And so maybe people are now approaching 30 before they start thinking about, Oh, what do I stand for? You know what I mean? And and so I think that that's kind of where, you know, I, I am seeing a, a little bit of a reversion back uh, through, through some younger artists now, and I'm happy to see it. You know, I think Jay Cole does a really good job of, getting to his money while still, you know, leaving people with, with the message and stuff like that. You know, I mean, he's just one. But it's a good uh, time right now, I think. I, I really think things are starting to, to come back to a, a more, like, cultural feel with hip-hop. Because the money is there. It's going to be there. That's what America is. People know that. And if you want to make that risk to get to it, then sure. You know what I mean? But you can still have a good career without necessarily having to go all the way in that direction. Yeah, it's a fine line between that. I'm sure, you know, when you think about it, as an artist, you know, crossing that line to where you're just in it for the monetary value as opposed to the arts or yeah. the, you know, crafting a good record or song. Yeah, you're taking part in the culture, you know what I'm saying? And so if you're doing that, then I I think that just having making money off of it be, you know, your your primary and main focus, you know, I just think that you, you leave yourself out there for the pitfalls of it, you know, in other words, like if it doesn't work out, you're not going to get a lot of sympathy from people, first of all, you know what I mean? And and if it does work out, then, you know, there's still going to be people looking at you like, you know, at, at what point are you going to give back? And it doesn't mean necessarily put money in anybody's hands, but just give back in terms of like help other people to figure out, you know, this thing that we're navigating because it's still a culture. You, you might've made millions of dollars doing it or whatever, but 
the kids in your neighborhood that didn't make it out of there, you know, they still have to deal with the police, for example. You know, are you going to address that? Are you going to address some of the stuff that they have to deal with? Or are you just going to get out and forget where you came from? And I think that that's what people are talking about when they say, you know, don't forget your roots and where you came from and stuff like that. And speaking of where you came from, uh, the Boston scene back then, I'm sure obviously now, you know, it's not really about where you're from anymore. You could put a record out without much issues. But back then, and did it feel like it was kind of a hindrance because, you know, you're in Boston, cats are from New York, cats are from California, even the South for that matter. But, you know, other than like Ed O.G. and Guru, there really wasn't a lot of Boston, you know, MCs that got national uh, recognition. Even they, I don't think I even knew Guru was from Boston until like maybe a couple albums in for Gangstar. Right? right. People people from Boston knew that Guru was from Boston. And then um, he... He actually mentioned it on on a later Gangstar album, or maybe maybe he mentioned it on Step in the Arena. But I really remember it from Hard to Earn when he he was like, I used to hang in four corners, right? Spots and beatdown with brothers carry burners, and so when when he did that, I'm like, okay, that's that's a full throated acknowledgement of where he's from. But the, it it was tough because it's like Boston has always been kind of like you know like the stepchild of of New York City in terms of hip hop, you know, because New York is the birth and we're like you know with the exception of philadelphia philadelphia i guess you could say was kind of like the second city of east coast hip-hop in that regard because it's right there but then there we are we're close but you know we got this funny accent and and we're definitely known for not having as as much diversity as especially as as the new york city but as most hip-hop cities you know what i'm saying most major cities boston has always been thought of as you know you like i'll meet people from other places and they'll be like oh there's black people from boston when i say i'm from boston <laughs> you know it's all good whatever i mean there, there's a hundred and fifty thousand black people in boston proper out of six hundred and fifty thousand people totally so you know whatever that is what's that 20 percent i mean so you know it's not it's not main <laughs> right but but it's definitely it definitely isn't like this like it's not known as this like urban metropolis where you know people of color are thriving and there's just like this vibrant like hip-hop culture there well it just wasn't known that way but in fact it was exactly that it's just that boston was much more segregated and low-key so you know i i just think that not being in new york and not having the the industry there like we what we had to do was go to new york you wanted to prove yourself like in uh, the very early stages of just making demos. Still, I had this song called New York Undercover. And the whole point of the song was me like taking the bus. And this is what I really did was taking the bus, going to New York City and finding the spots where there were open mics and jumping in the cypress and stuff and like trying to mask my Boston accent, not really talking about where I was from <laughs> and just getting on the mic. And, and trying to impress everybody, you know what I mean? And then after I impressed everybody, I would tell them, yeah, you know, I'm from Boston. And they were like, well, we didn't even know there were cats out there besides that OG. So, you know, Edo certainly paved the way, right. as did, you know, Guru did too, because like I said, the people in Boston knew about Gangstar because there was Gangstar Posse before Guru hooked up with Premier. And Gangstar Posse was still like one of the more well-known groups in Boston at the time. And then there was also the almighty RSO, and they went on to right. be known as Made Men. And, you know, of course, Benzino was from that group. And he started the Source magazine with, uh, I believe, Dave Mays out in uh, at Harvard University. So, you know, there is a lot of hip-hop uh, connection to Boston. I mean, just the fact alone that the Source started in Boston, I think, kind of just makes Boston 
one of the pillar cities for hip hop right off the bat because the source, you know, that magazine back when people used to still pick up things and read them other than their phone, you know, that was like the main, it was in fact the source. That was where you would go before a double XL and, and all the other magazines that exactly. came along after it. The source was the place like you wanted your album to get reviewed in the source and you wanted to get at least four mics for your album review, because if you did that just pretty much stamped and solidified you as as hip hop royalty at the time. And then they also had the hip hop quotable of the month where they would take the dopest verse from any MC on any record that month and print it in the magazine. And that was just so powerful at the time. You know, that was that was all, you know ideas that were cooked up in Boston as well. And, and you know, on the fringes of hip-hop, we also had New Edition, Bell, Biv, DeVoe. Oh, there you go. You know what I mean? Too. And, and so those guys, those guys were huge, and, and they they brought some light to Roxbury. You know, they had their videos where they were on, like, Mass Ave. And it's funny because I didn't really go to the South End like that back then in Boston, so I didn't really recognize it. The first time I really recognized Boston proper being in a music video or on TV was at OG's I got to have a video. And and so I was like, whoa, like that was, and I tell him that still to this day, like that was the moment where I felt like, yo, I can make it too. Like I had been rapping for a while, but I was still pretty much a kid. And then this video came on and Edo himself was a kid then, he, you know, was super young. MC on on TV, but I'm looking at areas from my neighborhood that I recognize scrolling by on the screen, and I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? And right. that was that was what instilled in me like this is something that's happening where you know people in Texas and California are turning on their TV and they're watching a rapper from Boston show you his town while he's rapping about being from Roxbury, and I'm like, okay, I'm going for it. You know, so so that was like a big inspirational movie for me. So so yeah, I mean, Boston, you know, has its place certainly in hip hop. And now that the years have gone by, you know, the ones of us that have really had that longevity, you know, your esoterics and and, and your Mr. Lifts and guys like Slain and and Jason and stuff like that, like their Rex, you know, their terminology. There's there's a ton now because, like you said, now it's a little easier for people to exactly. get their music out because because of the internet. So you have MCs from wherever. I'm working on a project with a producer from Salt Lake City right now. You know what I mean? And I've never even sat in the same room with him. So it's it's a different ball game now. But those guys that were able to, you know, put it all together before we got to this point that are still doing it, they're the ones that I think that are definitely going to be remembered by people around the world as as being the guys that brought Boston to the forefront of it. And you just brought that up, working with a producer, you know, and you're not even in the same room or anything. What is that like? That's got to be a, it's a different experience, of course, other than like back in the day, like you said, when you guys are all being in the same room together, studio. Is yeah. that is that weird to like, you, you record a track and someone sends you a beat and you're trying to, you know, kind of make it all fit together? No, I think, I think what's, what's weirder than that maybe is like doing a track with another MC and it's just like, I'm going to email you the beat with my verse on gotcha. it and you add... You know what I mean? Because that takes away a little bit of the, the creative process. And so sometimes it can just feel like you're just, you know, painting by numbers or something, putting something together. But that it doesn't take away from the fact that if the people are talented enough, it can come out dope. Right. Uh, I mean, with the, producer, with the producer, though, it's like, you know, it almost just feels like 
they're taking some of the tediousness out of it because I don't necessarily want to be sitting in a room with a producer trying to piece by piece put together a beat. I just want to write the song. So if the producer sends me a folder of beats, you know, like like with LX Beats, you know, he would just send me stuff that it's like, man, this this is just begging to have a song on it. You know what I'm saying? And so I can just get right to work and write the song if I'm if I'm doing it by myself. So I, I definitely would prefer to work with MCs that I'm collaborating with in right. the same room. But with, with producers, you know, you can just... And the other thing, too, is like you can just hop on FaceTime real quick with somebody or get on the phone. You know what I mean? So, like, I've I've built professional relationships with, with other creative people just by doing what we're doing now. Just get on the phone for an hour, you know what I'm saying? And just take the conversation wherever it's going to go. By the time you've had that conversation, you know enough about the person to take you know take them into consideration when you start to put the work together and to quote uh mr liff and your your song together strange technology the technology is so advanced now you guys could do so much that you couldn't even think about yeah. it doing just maybe even 10 years ago that's so true i mean maybe even five years ago i mean right. it it changes so rapidly and that's definitely part of what has kept me so engaged you know what i mean because i don't want to be the artist who is stuck in some era where things changed and now I can't function anymore because I refuse, you know what I mean? So I tell, sometimes I feel bad for the guys that are like, Oh, it has to be on vinyl or, you know, it, it has to be scratches in the chorus or it has to be, it right. has to be, it doesn't have to be anything. Time is moving. You know what I mean? People, new people are coming into the world. New perspectives are coming into the culture and you have to be able to embrace all that. You know, you don't have to let go of, of what you love about the culture, but certainly like, you know, trying to enforce rules on people of how they should approach it. I, I don't really think that's effective. It's like, if something's just not for you, just don't pay any attention to it or whatever. But, you know, to think that I remember when like ADATS came along and, and it was like, that was a new way of doing stuff. When I started recording, I was recording on reel to reel tape, you know, and still do every once in a while you know what i mean depending on what the situation is you're looking for a certain sound that you can only get from that and so that's what makes it beautiful that we've moved on and added new technologies but the old ones are still there it's still dope to hear the needle drop on the vinyl you yeah. can't you know that that's something that still matters and so i'm not mad at the guy who shows up with his sh with his show beats on a flash drive because by all means, I mean, if you don't have to carry four crates of records, Dude. You think you're doing <laughs> show, that's a good thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, if there is that one part of the show where the DJ is going to do his classic routine with the records that he has marked up and labeled so that he knows how to just throw them on and he can bust through the whole routine without no headphones and all of that, like, by all means, I want to see that too. You know what I'm saying? So if you got like a DJ scratch, I bet you he knows how to use every piece of technology that's come out oh, yeah. since the the first stuff that he mastered, but he can still go back and pull out his vinyl and and do amazing feats with, with that, you know? I remember some years ago, this had to be like maybe 2008 or 2009, I, just, I went to go see Pete Rock do a show and I was like, he has no crate or anything. All he had was the flash drive hanging from around his neck and he just plugged it in and he just, and he killed it, of course, you know, whatever. But oh, yeah, it was just like in that era where I was kind of like on the fence, like, ah, come on. And it's right, like, you know what, right. dude, he killed it. Why would he hop on a plane, risk losing all his classic vinyl when he could just put this thing around right. his neck and be straight? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, that's that's energy saved. <laughs> that's definitely energy right. saved. I mean, I remember back in the day, like having to help my DJ lug crates into the show. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I want to go smoke a blunt. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> my hands aren't free. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly, man. And and so so I, I appreciate the fact that technology is making stuff easier. And and you know, I'm just also excited to see where it's gonna go. Still. You know, and that's the thing, man. It's just, it's just kind of all about not being frozen in one era because time is going to go by and, you know, you're going to get older. So what are you going to do? Are you going to are you going to stay in the race or are you going to take a seat? And it's like once you take a seat, the longer you sit there, the harder it is to get up. If you keep going with everything, then you're just always part of it and you can just stay in stride. Even if some newer guys come along with some other stuff that's more popular and there's these people are out here selling millions and millions of records, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you still have your ability to do what you want. You have your audience that's grown with you and you have a perspective on the shit that's not just based on what you were doing 10, 15, 20 years ago. So, you know, there's, there's room for everybody in hip hop. No, without a doubt. I got to ask you about one of my favorite songs, Remind My Soul. Talk about that record, yeah. man. It's I played it the other day, uh, you know, before I had you on. I wanted to, you know, reacclimate myself with some of your records, and uh, that one just just hits me every time. It's it's definitely one of my favorite records you've ever done, man. No doubt, man. Thank you. It always comes up during Black History Month too, man. You know, it's like I feel like it's a Black History Month anthem. Yep. And 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 people people really you know seem to always dust it off when, when we get around like Martin Luther King's birthday and stuff like that, and. That's that's an honor to 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 have written something that people connect with in that way. I mean, I remember seeing that record do some amazing things for me, man, and and like being on tour in foreign countries, and you know, I'm doing a show. The show's going well. Like, I, you know, I can remember this one particular show in Brazil where I'm doing my show. You know, people are having a good time or whatever. But yo, when that one dropped, it was like it felt like I was you know, like it was church for a minute. You right. know what I mean? Like people, that was what people were really, really, really there to see me for because, uh, and it's not even like, you know, I think I do a good job of performing the song, but it's not like the performance of the song is, is what it is. It's it's more like the effect that the song has had on people. Right. And from what I've, what I've learned is like, especially the first time they heard it and it like kind of stopped them in their tracks you know, to then actually share that moment with the artist in the same room. You know what I mean? I think that's what makes the experience what it is for the people who really love the record so much. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, I I still remember the apartment I was living in when I recorded that. It was like I was living in an apartment with like four other dudes and, and one of them had a recording studio in his bedroom what I didn't even realize was going to be a full length album at the time. I don't think, but my boy, my boy T, uh, he goes by slop funk dust. He, he's a DJ from, uh, that's a cool name. Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he, uh, he's dope, man. He, he's always been down with, with, uh, he's had a crew called beat fanatic, which is like a coalition of producers. So he would, he would, uh, compile beat CDs of beats from all these different guys. So, at the time, Ill Mind was just this really dope cat who people didn't really know about. And Slop Funk Dust came up to Boston 
And he came through the crib and he played me some beats and I heard that one and me and all my roommates heard that one. And we were all like, yo, what is that? And I didn't need, I don't even remember like what other beats may or may not have come out of that listening session. I just remember that one, right? hearing it and, and like hearing the, the sample in there and just kind of trying to make something out of it, come up with the concept. It all just happened so organically, just right on the right on the spot and then next next thing you know i'm i'm making the record so and and just from something that happened right there in my apartment we took that and the next thing i know i'm like performing it in australia you know that's crazy man yeah it really really was surreal man because I, i i it was surreal because i had been doing stuff up to that point but that definitely took it to another level when i dropped that single and it definitely made people really uh excited about me putting out a full-length album so when that album did drop it was like i really got the opportunity to hit the ground running and it was a real like career maker for me yeah and seeing you perform i got to see you back in uh 2008 there was a club here called the abbey pub which is <laughs> burned oh, down yeah, it's gone yeah it burned it's down gone? yeah well i read somewhere that they might be bringing it back but uh, I'm really sorry to hear that, man. I've had some of my favorite shows at that place, man. Oh yeah, and I saw Lyft there a year later, Willie Evans, and uh, you know both of you guys killed it. You yeah, know, both your shows. Yeah, she's been there oh, a lot of times, man. huh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely at least three or four times for sure. And I remember because the thing is, is like you remember, you remember certain cities where it's like you go there and you're doing a show and you you don't know what to expect, and then it turns out that the place is packed and everybody there loves you. I remember and that. the Abbey Pub yeah. shows in Chicago, I like specifically at least twice. I remember going there and being like, "Holy shit!" Like, yeah, yo, you know, there's only there's a few places where I've gone where I felt like, "Wow, man!" Like. You know, maybe I maybe I have achieved a little bit of fame off this shit. You know, like because every time I go to Paris, the line is around the corner, the place is packed, the show's amazing, and you know, there's there's a uh, one spot in Paris called Club Batafar where it's like a, a club on a boat, and I can just remember doing a few shows there and, and having that same feeling of just like pleasant surprise. I mean. You know, some artists have the luxury of knowing, hey, I've sold a million records everywhere I go. It's going to be packed, blah, right. blah, blah. But like on the underground, you don't necessarily know. You have pockets, you know what I mean? And 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 so that, yeah, the Abbey Pub in Chicago is definitely a spot that I, I remember really fondly. In fact, I remember recently just trying to remember the name of the venue. I remember the scene. I remember it was Chicago and I couldn't remember the name of the spot. And so you saying this now, and then I finally hear the name and I'm finding out that it doesn't exist anymore. I can just say that some, some, uh, some great memories went, went down to the ground with that place. Yeah. You and Liv burned it down, right? Yeah. I've seen some great shows there. Uh, any other places you performed in Chicago that, uh, you get uh, memories of, or how, when's the last time you performed here? Has it been a while? Man, you know, I feel like every time I've performed in Chicago, it's been at the Abbey Pub. You know, so so it has been it has been a while since I've actually come there. Yeah, you know, it, it feels like most of the touring that I do now is either coastal or overseas. Oh, I see. You know, it's like pull, pulling off pulling off Midwest tours uh, just hasn't really been in the cards for me in the last like you know, six or seven years. I can't really remember too much running around like Chicago or Minneapolis and stuff like that. Columbus, 
you know, I miss those times, but that's when like, you know, you got, you got a tour bus or you have like a big coalition of artists going on tour. And I feel like these days, that's one of the other things about the internet though. It's like, there's the pros and cons. I think one of the cons of, of the internet is that it has kind of separated artists from some of the camaraderie of back in the days. Like, I don't see as many like labels sending their whole roster on tour. I see each artist or each act kind of setting up their own tour and headlining right. and then wherever they go, they have local people open up so that, you know, that'll help with the draw or something like that. And back in the day when we were coming to Chicago and going to, you know, through Cleveland and Columbus and all these spots, like a lot of those times, not every time, but a lot of those times it would be because we were part of a bigger tour. Doing tours like that probably was a genesis of you come up with another record of yours I really like, the Back Home to You song from Absolute Value. That line about oh, Arroz wow. con Pollo. When I heard that, I was yeah. like, yeah, you know what? I know what that is. I know a little bit of Spanish. Not a lot, but I know enough to know food. And I was like, man, yeah. you know what? Good food no, will bring you no home doubt. for sure, man. <laughs> there's no question. There's no question about that, bro. That was another one that uh, it just, you know, it just felt right making it, it you know, that's uh, another production by my boy Peyton Lockman. He rest in peace. You know, I think about him all the time. Oh, so, okay. so many of the, so many of the songs that people bring up, and even still to this day, that you know, I throw it on in my show, and I just remember, like, oh wow, you know, like he made this one too. So he, he's responsible for so much of of just my sound. And, man, rest in peace. I didn't you know, know that. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. He passed away in August of cancer, man. And so that was a big loss. You mentioned Willie Evans. You know, Willie Evans was his, like, closest musical partner down there in Jacksonville. And so, you know, it was a big loss for the whole crew. You know, it's going to be felt for a long time. And he, you know, but he definitely will always be speaking to people through, my, through me because he has created so many beats for so many songs that I've made right. that I love and I, that I will never stop performing, you know? So there's that part. And Back Home to You is one of those records for sure. And I got to give you credit because, you know, in the hip hop game, it's not easy to make a quote unquote love song. You know, not everybody could be LL, you know what I mean? So you've, right. you've done good with right. that. Like Woman, that song, or there's a couple others. I mean, you really no you do it without like, you know, making the fellas or listening like, oh man, he's doing that love song again. I don't know. You, you don't, you don't right, do that. Right. Your, your songs come off, you know, genuine and, and not corny at all. So big up. Yo, and I thank you for noticing that, man. And I would say that the reason for that is mostly because they are just genuine. You know, every every song like that that I've written, you know, whether it be like You Got It or Back Home to You or When Push Comes to Shove, like all, all those songs are just like, those were my genuine feelings about someone real in my life at that time. You know, and so I just feel like if you do that, it's hard to come off corny unless you're just innately corny. Right. You know what I mean? If, you, if you're, if you're being just completely genuine, then there's probably somebody else out there that's going to hear that song and you're speaking for them, you know, or you're speaking to them. You know, it's like you're, you're making the kind of song where, you know, somebody can play that song for their girl and be like, yo, this is what I was trying to say, because that's, you know, that's kind of the thought behind like, all the R&B classics that, that we grew up on, all the soul classics. It's right. like, you're, you're uplifting the woman, you know, you're not, you're not degrading her in the song and you're not just focused on the sexual aspect of the relationship, you know, whereas now, you know, even the women who make records are only focused on the sexual aspect of the relationship or maybe the money part. Like there's, there's, it's like the love and hip hop era doesn't really address either thing. You know, it, it just kind of addresses this 
you know, this version of hooking up that has become more prominent again, since people have kind of gone into their caves and just pulled their phones out and used their phone as a way of trying to get to know people, where it's just not really real. So a song like one of those records, you're just speaking from the heart, you know, it's just like if I make a song that's a political song or just a song that's just talking about everyday life, like it's just me coming from the heart. I'm not concerned with, oh, how did such and such approach this? Or how did such and such do this? Or what do I think the girls are going to like if I put it in a song? Or like, are girls going to want to dance to this song? I'm not thinking about any of that. I'm really just thinking, what do I want to say in this song to the person that I'm addressing it to? You know what I mean? And and so those songs, I think they last because you meant it. Like, who who was Al Green singing Let's Stay Together to? Right, right. Somebody. It was somebody. It might have been the woman that eventually threw the pot of hot grits in the face. <laughs> right? Right. It might Maybe. Have been. Right. It might have been. But, but to get her that mad, song, you know, there must have been something there to get her that mad to throw the grits exactly, out. Exactly, <laughs> bro. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what I was about to take five minutes saying. Yeah, <laughs> you go ahead and take five minutes. It's infinite banter. Go ahead and take five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. But no, nah, you, 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 you got it, man. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Like, there's passion behind it, man. When you have passion behind something and you're not just manufacturing something, you can tell the difference. Speaking of real songs, your song "Alive," you can't get any realer than that one. When you're talking about your heart procedure oh, and and all that, how's your health now? And uh, talk about what that record meant for you to put that out there and let everybody, like myself, know we heard it like what you went through. Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. I mean, I, I would say that uh, my health is about as good as it's ever been in, in my life. Um, That's great, I feel man. great. Yeah, thank you, man. I, I, I really, I'm actually mystified by it, to be honest with you, man, because we're going on 10 years since I had to have that emergency surgery. Um, this May will make nine years to be specific. And so, you know, there was a, there was a time where it just felt like that was what my life was and that's what it was going to be. You know, I, I, I got hit with this attack out of nowhere and now I'm debilitated and, you know, who knows what the rest of my life is going to be like. I had to learn how to walk again. You know, I had to spend a lot of time where I couldn't put any type of strain on my body at all. I was just basically bedridden for, for almost a month and to come out on the other side of it now and feel like I'm stronger and faster and healthier than I was 20 years ago. You know what I mean? I did not think that that would be necessarily possible. I thought I would be back to my old self, but I've actually gotten back to my old self and better. You know, if you look at a picture of me from 2001 and look at a picture of me now, you know, me now that old that guy from back then he'd get his ass kicked you know what i mean <laughs> not no question like no question really he would he would yeah he'd be about a second and a half behind in the 40 yard dash too oh huffing you know and stuff I mean? so, yeah yeah so so i'm very very happy about i'm very happy about where i've been able to to get you know and not on not on my own as you see you know what i'm saying like yeah. there's been there's been a lot of a lot of support from from both you know, family, friends, loved ones, and my fans, man, like people just to this day still let me know like, yo, we were praying for you. Like I've had like married couples come up to me like, yo, we were praying for you. And, and people tell me that all the time. And, and so I'm not a very religious person, but 
I I certainly believe in the power of prayer. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Because exactly. you know that the people the fact that anybody would even just like, you know, take the time out of their day to to really think about somebody that they don't know because of like contributions that I've made that I don't even I'm not even aware that they know about them. You know, it's like that the power that's in that, I had to write the song. You know what I mean? And that's why at the end of the song, that's that's ultimately what it's about. It's like, you know, to, to, to each and every one who said a prayer for me, shed a tear for me, maybe put one in the air for me. Like that is like the most important thing because like one of the things I remember when I woke up in the hospital for the first time is that I was just surrounded by people. And they were telling me that, that I was trending on Twitter and that there were people outside of the hospital that couldn't even get in. There were so many people there that were just like, they're trying to see me like one of my boys uh knuckles from from the group nbs who i've done a lot of work with he like showed up at the hospital in the middle of the night with a couple of girls around, <laughs> with his arm around a couple of girls like crying like yo where's my brother where's my brother you know what i'm saying like just like it was it was a scene it was it was a serious like the whole thing overall was a scene and and so just you know from that to to the, the Boston hip hop community getting together and doing a benefit show to raise enough money for me to get through that summer and not have to worry about my bills and stuff like that. Like that type of stuff's amazing. So I just feel like I'll be giving back for the rest of my life Man. for, you know, for that, that outpouring of love that, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's there and it's dormant and we don't think about it, but you know, I was fortunate enough to have something happen to me that showed me how important I was to so many people and, you know, what actually would have been going through people's minds and hearts, like, had they lost me? Because there was a time where we didn't know which way it was going to go. You know what I mean? I'm like lying there on a hospital bed with a ventilator in my throat, unable to speak. I'm hearing and seeing everything that's happened around me, happening around me, but I have no way to emote any kind of thoughts to anyone. All I could do was grunt or squeeze someone's hand and that's it. And so that was very difficult for the people who were coming to see me. So people are talking to me. They don't know if they're saying goodbye. They don't even know what to say. So, you know, the majority of them were just like breaking down. And so in me, without the ability to even say anything, I'm just like squeezing everybody's hand. Like, I just want them to know, like, I hope that me squeezing your hand lets you know that I ain't giving up on this bed, you know? And so the fact that now all these years later, I've been able to come back and, you know, played a season of flag football, made six interceptions in one season. Man, you know you're like I'm Ed saying? Reed back there. Yeah, man. I, and that was from the linebacker spot, dog. I wasn't even a safety. I just so. say Ty Law. I should, I should keep it Boston. Ty Law or uh, somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. The, how, let's let's go with Rodney Harrison. There you I'm go. Over Rodney Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But 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 yeah, man. Like that that comeback let me know a lot about myself, and it let me know a lot about the character of the people that were in my life. You know, and and what type of what type of people my art attracts to me. And if anything, I think that that has been like one of the most valuable things I've gotten out of my career is that, okay, I might not make the music that is going to get three, 4 million people to buy it. You know, I'm not 50 cent like in the club and remind my soul came out at the same time. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. But yeah. the, the, 
the people, the type of people that remind my soul made aware of me that have been following my, my movements right. now for 20 years. Like that's what's, that's what's so valuable to me. The fact that I have such a high quality type of people who enjoy what I do because of that, it doesn't really matter to me how many there are, you know, it's just, I know that you're solid. Like if, if you mess with me, then I know, I know you're solid because that's, that's what I'm trying to emote is just that you can be just a genuine person, be yourself. And as long as you're dope, you know what I'm saying? Right. You're good to go. And then there's, there's people out there that believe that and accept it. So if there's there's 200 people, not 2,000 people at my show, so be it. I always speak for all the fans. You know, we're just so glad you're back stronger and better than ever. And like you said, the 2001 oh, acrobatic would be laid out on his back if he came up to you these oh, days. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> not even close. I know exactly where to hit. <laughs> <laughs> and listen to Infinite Banter. We're talking to the lawyer Malloy of Flag Football, the one and only Acrobatic. Uh, you, <laughs> we're talking. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of like all my old Patriots like knowledge, you know, from back in the day. Let's talk a little bit about sports because I'm a sports fan. Obviously, Chicago, some Cubs, Bears, and Bulls, yeah. teams like that. But yeah. I, you're you're a big Patriots. I, I'm, I assume you like the Red Sox and the Bruins, or uh, who am I forgetting? That's uh, right. Celtics, Red Sox, Bruins, Celtics, Patriots, New England Revolution. What you want? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Northeastern Huskies, Boston Beacons. Let's go. I, whatever you need, we are, got it. Are you still upset about the <laughs> Patriots' early exit from the playoffs? And if Tom Brady comes I to the Bears, am. you're a Bears fan? No, I don't, I don't think that's going to really happen. Whoa! But. Do you guys have? Do you guys have have that opening? I mean, our quarterback is um, suspect, so they need somebody here. And Tom Brady wants to take a one-year uh, flyer and play in, uh, with our with our uh, defense. You know, we we just need a quarterback. You know what I mean? So. I would I would say that as far as that goes, I'm not worried at all. I think that the last thing that the last thing that Tom Brady is going to do is go somewhere even colder than New England to finish. Yeah, his career, it's like you know? 30 degrees here, I, and it, and, it, and that feels good to me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't see that happening. I, I definitely, uh, you know, I might, I may or may not still be a little salty about a particular game that was played in 1985. Eee, there it is, 46-10. <laughs> yeah, you gonna drop the score on me, Mark? Come on, I man. have to. Anyway, so because that's all we. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a minute. That's all we got, though. So. <laughs> right, right, no doubt, no doubt. It was, but it was thunderous, and and it came with like a, a single. Y'all dropped a single on it. Man, that. it was a hip, it was a hip hop, it was a hip hop win. It yeah, a, I thought the fridge was gonna be the next big MC after that, but uh, he did a song with the Fat Boys, <laughs> and then he said, "That's it, I'm done. I dropped the mic." You know, right, right, that's that. <laughs> but yeah, man, I I think that Tom's gonna stay. Um, in in the in the slight chance that he does depart i you know i can only see him going to play like in california or maybe vegas but i don't see it man i i think that he's going to stay because you know there's just something about boston and and our sports icons you know being on one team you know i it hurt to see paul pierce go play for the clippers it's like what did you do that for? yeah i don't even it, remember you know, that but i know what happened yeah yeah, it's like you ruined it, man. Just retire. You got enough money. But but um in in uh in the other cases though, you know, you got like Larry Bird, he played his whole entire career here and and you have um, you know, Tom who's who's been here this whole time too and it's just been so just epic. You know, you just remembered forever by that team when you played for the one team. Like when I think back to when Joe Montana went to the Chiefs, 
You know, it almost was like, ah, come on, what are you doing? Or when right. Brett Favre went to the Vikings, like in the division. Or here you go, you Robert doing? Parrish played on the Bulls one year and he won a championship, uh, but yeah. he was like the third center. Yeah. He wasn't even like, um, he didn't matter. <laughs> right. He was just there. He just he just didn't want to stop playing basketball, and there was no right. room for him on the Celtics. But but at least him, he was on like the Golden State Warriors before he was on the Celtics. You know what I mean? But it's like when you have like 16, 17 seasons with one team, and then all of a sudden you leave. You know what I mean? I, either way, though, any team would be fortunate to have Tom Brady. And, you know, I wish him the best. I've got to spend my entire adult life yeah. feeling like a winner every winter. You know what I'm saying? Because even in the years where, you know, we had a drought there where we didn't win for a while, but it was like just always being in the conversation. Just made – he made football – he helped make football so enjoyable for everybody in this area for so long. You know what I mean? And I, I guess that it's just more of a personal thing to not want to see him in another uniform. But it would look weird, time, man. It, it would look weird. It would it would it would look weird, but you know what? If he did go somewhere else, man, aside from the Patriots, that would be the team I'm rooting for to win the Super Bowl. There you go. Plain and simple. You know what I mean? The dude has just, just been great for the culture around here. And also great for, you know, other reasons too, man. Like you're talking about a guy who's going to be 43 years old when next season starts, and he's one of the best players in the league. It's crazy, you know. And so, and 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 we're talking about professional football, which is like one of the most dangerous things you can do with your body. So it's like if he can do that at 43, damn, man. You know, rapping ain't nearly as high as demand. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. You 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 can do that forever. You know, like. We were talking about that here at home earlier, man. Like, I, you know, have you seen Dr. Dre recently? Like, you know, LL Cool J, these guys are in their 50s. These guys are, like, in top physical condition. Man. It's not very not very demanding to, you know, in the same way that something like football is. So it's like, we didn't know this 20 or 30 years ago, but now I'm seeing it. I, you know, especially especially as a black person, man, like we, 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 we so often tend to get into these situations where we have to do hardcore manual labor until, you know, later in life. And then, you know, maybe we get to retire in, at like 60 and then by then our body's completely broken down, you know what I mean? And, and that's just like a normal thing, you know, or like, you know, anyone who who's like working construction in like their fifties, you know what I'm saying? Like what's your back going to be like, you know? So to see somebody like Tom Brady at 42, 43 years old out there having 300 pound guys running out of that full speed and he's taking these hits and he's out there right. playing and he's telling us, he's telling us, yo, I'm able to do this because of how well I take care of myself. I'm like, well, sign me up for the TB12 method because <laughs> I want to be, I want to be like Chuck D. I want to be like Master Ace. I want to be like KRS-One when I grow up. I want to be those dudes 10 years from now, 15 years from now. I want to be out there killing it all over the world, doing shows, still performing, remind my soul, let's go. You know, and I, and I won't have it any other way either. So that that makes him really, really inspirational to me, as are all the other people I just mentioned. Yeah, DMC's another one like that. He's just like he tells a story about how yeah, he's drinking forties for breakfast and you Oh know. man. Yep. He could he could just swing one swing, not cats out. <laughs> no doubt. Man, uh no doubt. You're talking about being like Harris One, you kind of are because he's the teacher. You said you were teaching. Talk about uh, yep. how that is for you. It's been great, man. It's 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 a great opportunity for me to have 
a path for my career to branch out on. Um, it's also, I mean, for those for those who don't know, like I, I teach a course on hip hop history and culture at UMass Boston, which is the fourth most diverse uh, university campus in in America. So, so it's it's just a really a really great environment to be part of, you know what I mean, in general, and then to actually be there as the person who's who's teaching hip hop culture to the students is beautiful and, and the students are really engaging and it's an opportunity for me twice a week to go and sit down with, you know, twenty five people from this young generation and like really sort out this whole hip hop thing with them together. And so like not only am I teaching them through the lectures and the videos I'm watching with them and stuff, it's like pedagogy, man. Like these these guys are also guys and ladies, I should say, are also teaching me. So, you know, like certain assignments that I give them, they come back with information that I wasn't aware of. There's one assignment in in, in uh, specific where I send them off in pairs to go and they, each group studies the hip hop history and evolution of a particular country. You know, and so they'll come back to me and I'm learning about all these artists and all these other different countries and what's going on and how hip hop started in those places and things like that. And it's just really a beautiful experience. And and we've had, you know, speaking of Chuck D, Chuck D has has done an interview with the class before, you know, on Skype. Wow. Like sat with us for an hour and kicked it with us. Like I was just hoping he would give me 10 or 15 minutes of his time. You know what I'm saying? And, and he he sat through the whole class with us and just held court. It was just like a master class and in this in this shit, man. And And that was something that has always stuck with me and like at the end of this semester we're going to the bronx and we're taking the the um the cold crust brothers hip-hop tour so we're going to be touring the birthplace of hip-hop wow. they're going to take us right yeah we're going to go there we're going to see that we're going to get all kinds of presentations and and like performances from from cold crust i think some of the cats from rocksteady might be there so so you know it's it's, it's just a beautiful experience man and i think that it's How much are credit hours there? I might have to I might have to move over there and take this class. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, you got you got to enroll at UMass Boston, man. That's that's all I can tell you. Um, right now, I teach the course for the Honors College, but um, starting in September, it's going to be opened up to um, more students too. So I'm going to actually be teaching the course in like a big lecture hall with uh, my mentor, Professor Rubin, who who actually developed the course initially and so i've been there for like six or seven years now so over time um you know they, they gave me the keys to just to run the class oh, by wow. myself but we're gonna, we're gonna lecture together yeah man it's 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 really just been outstanding you know like the the fact that you know the school i dropped out of when i was 19 i'm now a professor at you know what i mean that's something that I'm, I'm pretty proud of to be honest with you because i i just at the time when i was a kid going to school there i had no idea what i was doing with my life and, you're like the reverse kanye west <laughs> college oh, drop-up yeah. you, you back there teaching the class that's right man that's i went to right, columbia man. college here in chicago we didn't have anything like that i think the closest thing i had was russell simmons was at our graduation but that's it. Right. There's, there is no, well, you know, that's, that's one of the things I was going to say, man, is like, it's, I think, and I'm hoping that I'm on like the, the, the precipice of some kind of like tipping point for, for hip hop education in schools. I know that there's some other schools that do stuff. I know, uh, I, and other artists who teach, I know that ninth wonder teaches, uh, a college course in North Carolina at one of the schools down there. Um, and, uh, 
Uh, I know Wordsworth is a teacher. I think he's a middle school teacher. I'm not sure how much hip hop is involved in his curriculum, but he's a teacher. Um, But, you know, hip hop history is such a vital part of American history that I just think that if you have an American history curriculum that doesn't have hip hop history as part of it, then it's not complete. And so I feel like I'm helping complete people's understanding of what it is to be American and what it is to be black in America, in America, because, you know, how, how many things are there in America that are truly American that like started here, you can trace the entire history to the day, to the address where this culture began, you know, that's very, very important. And that's something that, you know, a hundred years from now, is probably going to be even more important. And the difference is we're not going to have cool Herc and Grandmaster Kaz and Melly Mel around to talk about it right now. We can hear it straight from them, you know, having an interview in a classroom with Chuck D. I mean, that would, that's, that's like, I mean, that's like being able to sit down with like Nat Turner or something like that. You know what I mean? So having, having that, opportunity this is the time where it needs to happen like we can't wait until you know the connection thins out and there's probably you know people who would rather see it go that way for whatever reason but i'm not one of them i want to see while the connection is still tight we can talk about this while the guy the mc who said broken glass everywhere while that guy is still around and he's young and you can talk to him we need to talk to him and get this stuff documented and get it into the minds of the newer kids that are coming along who don't have that connection to it, but want to be part of hip hop. They call themselves part of hip hop. They call themselves making hip hop music. So since now all the music is being made through technology and different methods and, you know, the same link isn't being connected through sampling the way that it has been historically we need to do other things to make that change stronger because, you know, EPMD, you know, they were sampling Earth, Wind and Fire and Zap and Roger. And that made it so that our parents could see where this music was coming from. Right. Whereas, whereas now it's being processed, you know, produced in a way where that's not as evident. And that's OK, as long as the education of what the previous link was isn't broken. And so I think that that's where I fit in with this. And that's why it's so vital to have education based around hip hop, because hip hop, the hip hop generation, that's like the continuation of the civil rights movement in a lot of ways, too. You know, people like Public Enemy, NWA, uh, you know, A Tribe Called Quest, even like a lot of these artists, X-Clan, these artists were all doing their part to educate their communities. You know, if you look at a Public Enemy concert from the 90s, the whole entire crowd is black, you know, and and if Public Enemy does a concert now, it might not necessarily be that way. Part of that, part of that is because black communities have been steered away from music that is going to uplift them. Music that is going to keep us in, you know, conflict with each other. Music that's going to keep us at each other's throats magically gets these gigantic budgets behind it. And those artists that talk about those things are made into the biggest celebrities. So it seems like there's a payoff for that negativity all the time. And so that's cool. Do that, get your money. But that makes it that much more vital that us on the grassroots level continue to, to 
connect with each other. And so we understand why, why is Queen Latifah a queen? It's not just because she's done some movies or was on Broadway. You know what I'm saying? It's because she wrote U-N-I-T-Y, and that was a song that women can have forever to stand up for themselves as an anthem. You know what I mean? Indeed. That is what's important. Yeah, it's it's all about yeah. uh, uplifting the culture and preserving it and teaching it to the next generation. And like you said, having having these legends, these mentors that are still here, yeah, it means a lot to hear. I couldn't even imagine being in a classroom and Chuck D's talking. I mean, I would definitely be quiet. Oh, my and God. It was chill- I couldn't it was, even imagine. It was chilling, man. It, it was chilling. And it's like, it, it meant a lot to the students, but like what it meant to me, you know, like I, I, I grew up in a home without a dad, you know? And so literally, you know, it might sound, sound like hyperbole, but literally my dad were KRS-One and Chuck D and Rakim. Wow. You know, these were an ice cube, you know, these were the black men that were laying down the br- the blueprint for me of what I needed to know and be aware of and be prepared for going into adulthood, them, you know? So I don't even know if those guys really grasp that, you know, like uh, specifically with me, like when I get the rare opportunities to talk to them, but like I've tried to make it clear to them that that was the case. Like that's how important they are. And so, you know, when you don't have that, it's different, you know? So, so it's like, I've asked my class classroom that a few times over the years, like who is the person that does for you what KRS and Rakim and Chuck did for me? Who's the person that speaks for your generation to let you know what you need to be aware of and what you need to be prepared for going into adulthood. And a lot of times it gets real quiet when I ask that because most of the artists that represent their generation are just talking about getting fucked up and yeah. trying to have sex. That's disappointing. And that's man. It. Yeah. Yeah. That's super disappointing. You know what I mean? And so, you know, again, hip hop being in the classroom though, you know, it's not just, it's not just lecturing and studying some boring shit. Like yesterday we were watching MF doom videos and we were breaking down MF dooms, rhyme schemes <laughs> and stuff like that. And yeah, man, like it's fun. It's fun. It's, right. it's something that I would just want to do with my friends. You know what I'm saying? But right. because, you know, you get older people, you know, you get families and stuff like that. Everybody doesn't have the opportunity to hang out with their friends in groups anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like if they're not doing a show, is Wu-Tang Clan really just getting together to just hang out in a room for a few hours and play video games and smoke buns and talk right. about hip hop? Probably not as much. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's the same thing for me. So now my friends, my crew that I get to do that with, not the smoking blunts part, but, you know, just the, the building part, that it's my students. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I go in there, there's 25 of them. They can't wait to see what we're going to talk about today. They've they've spent the last three days listening to a Spotify playlist that is relevant to what I've what we've been learning about for the week. And then they, they've got reading. I've got like, some really cool literature, the hip hop wars by professor Trisha Rose. And then this, uh, that's the joint, which is like a hip hop studies reader, which is a compilation of articles and essays by hip hop scholars put together by Murray Foreman and Murray Foreman uh, is at Northeastern university, which is my alma mater. Like all of it ties in so well, so much that I know for a fact that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And so I'm letting it run its course because I just have a feeling that it's going to be a pathway to something that I'm not even thinking of yet. That's going to be magnificent. 
you know, and so I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm glad, I'm glad that, that it turned out that I'm the one who got picked to do it. Man, that is amazing. Like I said, I, I wish I could be in that class, but you tell me about it. I mean, it definitely well, gives yeah, me hope for the Boston future. And you want to visit, you know, that's, that's something else, you know, give me a shout. Yeah. I need to get to Fenway cause I'm trying to go to every baseball stadium and Fenway is one of the ones I haven't been to. So I definitely need to get out to oh, Beantown. Oh, you gotta man. go. Yeah. You gotta go there. My dream would be a Cubs-Red Sox game, but you know, they don't go there that well, often. Well, that could be Look at the schedule and let me know, because that could be what we do when you come out here. Man, I'm really? holding you. It's, it's recording, Axe, so, you know, you said it. Yeah, no, nah, I know. I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. I just messed with you, man. I think that, that that's probably a more plausible thing than even the class, because you're talking about summertime. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that would be dope, man. I would like to do that. Man. And I love Fenway Park. And every time I go to Fenway Park with somebody, it's usually somebody from my family, and they want to leave after the second inning. So oh, like, I want to I I go watch a game. You know what I'm saying? Even no, though, I'm a baseball nerd. Then, I can watch all of it and not even be bored at all. You know? Word. And, and y'all will probably win because we just traded away the house. Yeah. So, Mookie, you know? I didn't want to bring it up, man. But uh, that's yeah, – I, that um, I hate it. I hate it. And here they're trying to talk about trading Chris Bryant from the Cubs. And it's I don't like the whole – you know, the players going to be making more money in a couple years. We got to get rid of them now for something. I just wish – I hate that. Yep. I hate that yeah, mindset. That's exactly what we did. And they're just right. going to buy another player just be in three trying years. Trying to win every year. Yeah, and you know What's they're going to they're going to throw money at some guy in a couple years anyway. And and my mindset anyway. is like, just use that money you're going to throw at player X. I mean, and Luke, the guy Luke you already Betts have, is like Hall of Fame. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Once yeah. in a generation type player, man. I was really I hate that surprised stuff, to see that. Yeah, it, it, really it makes surprised. it makes no sense. Cram to understand the way these owners think yeah, and these I, general I think managers. We've had so much. We've had so much success with the Sox in the last 10 years. And then there's a cheating thing, too, that's not helping, but yeah. Yeah, whoa, yeah, that too. (laughs) It's not an Astros level as far as we know, but... (laughs) Nah, it better not be. I I mean, but you know, that's the stuff that's out of our control as fans. Yeah. You know, all, all, all I can do is hope another banner goes up. You know, when you fly into Boston, you should fly in JetBlue. JetBlue's got... Uh, uh, they've got all the banners from all the championships hanging oh. over with the check the check in space when you check in for your flight at JetBlue. It's so dope. I'm keeping like a mental in chronological note. in chronological order, so it's just like you know you can see like how how many in a row like the Celtics got. Then you see a couple of Bruins ones. Then you get all the Patriots banners Man. from the 2000s. That's it's a long. Dope. That's a long, uh, long ass way of, <laughs> of banners, dude. Celtics and Patriots. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's like something like three rows of them or something like that. It's crazy. We got our six you bulls, and then after that, it's it. you know. Eh. <laughs> man, we've had something like we've had something like ten parades in the last twelve years. Man. Jeez. Ugh. Yeah. It's it's really been crazy. I mean, once, man, once the Bruins started winning, it was just like what? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, title town we've won in every sport in the last decade now that's oh crazy. sorry last 12 years we need the celtics to, to pick back up again yeah it's been a while since the ray allen and uh you know the, the big three yeah who, who brought you guys a chance and i was there. at that game i was at the game when they clinched against the lakers that was incredible that was incredible I, I got to play knockout on the court during halftime dude i was trying i was trying to get close to uh to homie with with a CD, uh, what's what's the brother's name? Man, um, he unfortunately passed away not too long ago. Um, the ESPN brother. Oh, Stuart Scott. Uh, Stuart Stuart Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to maybe like slide a CD to him, but I couldn't get close enough to him during the knockout game. But that that whole day was just so memorable. I, after the Celtics won, like everybody was lighting up cigars in the in the in the stadium, oh, wow. in the arena. It was amazing. And then there was like a 
like a, how can I call it? Like a march, like a procession outside. And somebody had a car system just blasting Apache on repeat. And it was just a parade of people just dancing in the streets, like people dancing on car hoods and stuff like that. Whoa. And then the next morning I got to go on the radio and, and do the sports wrap up for, for the whole city. You know what I'm saying? It was just that, that era. That was, that was a, a really fun time for me. Man, and speaking of cheating in sports, there's only one sport that's okay with cheating, and Uh-oh. that's wrestling. And uh, I got to ask you about oh, as as the great as the great Jesse the Body Ventura says, win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. <laughs> he did say that. Yes. Yeah, he, yes, he did. <laughs> and he followed that. <laughs> Man, I, I I know this could take forever, but I'll definitely ask you some wrestling stuff real quick. First of all, the Battle Royal song with Seven L Esoteric. I forgot S.D. Yeah. Jones had a hole in his back when I heard that verse. S.D. Jones put a hole up in your back like S.D. Jones. Man. That's right. Uh, and, and unfortunately, Yo. like hip-hop, so many of those legends have passed too. But yeah, that 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 I song is a, is a classic. And uh, Esoteric's rhymes on that song, man. Yo, dude. The, the day that we made that song was so much fun. I took all of the sound effects in in the song from the WWE video game. So I plugged oh, in. Oh, okay my my i guess nintendo or sega genesis or whatever system it was at that time and just threw the game on and, and just like started sampling stuff so i sampled the bell i sampled the sound hitting the mat so it's like whenever there's a curse you get like a, a wrestling sound effect in there and then i did all the uh the the sync voices on the song too you know that you know that that was some of the most fun I've had making a song. You see what I'm talking about, about being in the same room with the person. Yeah. We, we were together when we wrote that song, and I don't think it would have came out the same way if we just did some email, sending stuff back and forth. Right. That that came out in a way that, I, you know, for, for me, that's one of my most classic songs. I love that record. Yeah. And, and it's, it's one of those things that's like – if someone else made that record, I'd be like, yeah, that's the type of record that speaks to me for who I am, you know? No and doubt. so that eventually, uh, that song ended up getting the attention of John Cena. And, and so one day I'm in downtown Boston and I see 7L and Esoteric inside of like a Wendy's. I think 7L is a fast food freak. And so they were in, they were in Wendy's <laughs> and I went in and started talking to them. And they were like, yo, you know, John Cena loves that song you made with Esso. He's a fan of yours. And, you know, next thing I know, I became friends with him based off of that song. You know what I mean? So the, the, the way that hip hop brings people together, man, is, is just is, is bananas. And, and that song is like, I'm just so glad I made it. You know, there's there's another song on that same EP, which is Internet MCs. Like, yeah, you know, I got that I, record. Yep. Classic. Word up. Oh, yeah. That, that's one, man. I made that beat. I made both of those beats, actually. Oh, you did? Okay. It. But. Yeah, but 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 like I was saying about Al Green's song, you know, like let's stay together. It's it's part of what makes it classic is because it's like there needed to be a song where somebody was saying let's stay together, let's keep this thing going. Right. You know what I mean? And and so when you when you make a song that's kind of on a topic that no one has necessarily hit on the head yet. No. You know, I think that that's what makes it so that that song will last forever. So like Internet MCs, to, as far as I know, was the first song that anybody ever made that that really addressed the fact that people were rapping on the internet. And Battle Royal, I think, was definitely like the first 
a song about wrestling that was executed like that. So yeah. those songs kind of stand out and stand the test of time for that reason too. Like the nostalgia of it. Like if you want to go like play me another wrestling song that I need to hear before I hear battle Royal, you know, like there isn't the, one. The, the yeah. lines, the punchlines, uh, my my man said you're you're like Adrian Adonis with your feminine touch. I'm like Hogan with an adrenaline rush. That's incredible. That's yeah. incredible lyricism. You know what I'm saying? So and it's and it's very visual. You can see it. Like anybody who saw adorable Adrian Adonis yep. knows why that line is so dope. You know, it's like the exact opposite of Hulk Hogan hulking up and being super. You know testosterone filled or whatever like <laughs> yeah so i'm always gonna love that and then i also would say shout out to seven l and esoteric for what they're doing now with inspector deck of the Zarface project yes. that's also some, some of my favorite music that's being made right now man yeah they are definitely killing it and, and bringing that that feel to that that album and the stuff they've done together too oh, i mean all, all of us nerds out there we appreciate it you know what i mean <laughs> Those records, they've been making records now for a while. They got like four albums together. But I have to say, man, this most recent one really, I think, is the best one. They they, they are really doing some special shit on uh, The Odds Are Against Us, it's called. Uh, they got this one jam couch where, where Ezo is just kind of like just waxing nostalgic about all the all the cartoons and stuff he used to watch and just everything that he used to do on his couch on a Saturday morning and stuff like that, like... Just real relatable stuff. It's it's definitely like you know, I I don't want to categorize it too sharply, but I'll just say for now, it's like dad rap. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but but, yeah, that's, yeah, but that's what it is. It, it that's it, the age so we are. Dope. Though the beats are so dope, and all the skills are there. So it's like yeah, everyone who exists should have their go-to music that they love because it speaks to them specifically. You know what I mean? You shouldn't have to necessarily just conform to what everybody else is listening to in order to enjoy a type of music. So I'm glad that those guys are doing what they're doing. We'll feel that way about me too. Yeah, right. Of course. (laughs) Do you still watch wrestling? And uh, I just got to ask, who's your favorite? Mine uh, is the all-time great Macho Man. But who's your favorite? I, I took a little bit of time off from from like maybe, same here i didn't watch like for 15 years i just started getting back about six seven years ago into wrestling so okay so we have a similar thing like like i would say once maybe uh the from like for most of my music career's height in in that like you know death jux days like the 04 to like maybe 2009 or 2010 i really didn't know what was going on right but before that and and since I, I've been pretty much into it now, it's interesting because now you have so you know it's the podcast era, right? So you have so many like com- watching companions to watch along with. So like I don't, right. for instance, I don't watch Raw every week or SmackDown every week, but I do try to catch the little fifteen minute wrap up thing that they do on like a uh, What Culture or something like that, or or cultaholic just just to see keep up with what happened and you're getting all like the behind the scenes news and stuff shout out simon miller ups and downs yeah yeah shout out simon simon miller that dude's crazy um so he you know him and 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 all these cats that are doing that stuff they they're actually helping make it more fun 
Whereas I can't sit in front of the TV for three hours and watch wrestling. I could definitely for 15 minutes, just kind of get a feel for what's going on and then go back and watch a match or something right. or a segment. If I think it's going to be worth it to see, but you know, I definitely watch like the Royal rumble though. That's my favorite. You know what I'm saying yeah. like when, when that, that's, yeah, that's my favorite too. So I'm into that. And, and as far as like my favorite, you know, if I had to, to, to pick one favorite, it's, it's all, the same way I do it with MCs. It's like, are we talking about my favorite of all time? Are we talking about uh, my favorite now? Are we talking about who I think is the best? See, that's a lot. You know that's a I'm layered. Saying? That's a lot of layers there. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think all those would be different people. So it's like if, if I had to pick just one to represent all of that. Like, same thing with greatest MC of all time, right? It's like, it's got to be, it can't just be somebody that not many people have heard of, right? It has to be somebody who's reached a certain level of, of acclaim and greatness. And so, like, my favorite wrestler died very young. So he didn't get to have his full career, and we didn't get to see where he was going to be. And that's Kerry Von Eric. Ah, uh, Texas as Tornado, as, yeah. Yeah. As far as who I think is the number one just greatest wrestling performer of all time and and the, the icon of the whole industry it's the undertaker for me yeah and he's still possibly there's rumors that him and aj styles might have a match at wrestlemania so yeah i heard about that i heard about that man i you know i'm into it i think that you know obviously you know we talked about like how how far into into your old age you can you can do certain things and wrestling is obviously really demanding and the undertaker is into his 50s now um, and and you know we saw we saw how it worked out when him and Goldberg were in the ring, you know that they're like yeah. a combined hundred one hundred and six years old, and it kind of looked like it. Kind of looked sloppy but, at times, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then they almost got there was almost a couple of times where there could have been some serious injuries too, and I don't, I definitely don't want to see that happen no. uh, to the Undertaker or anybody else for that matter. But I do think that um, Undertaker and AJ Styles would be great because AJ Styles, I mean, he's getting older too, but he's he's much younger than the Undertaker, and he is somebody who is safe. Like I, I, I think that him. Now, I say that, but. My understanding is that people have gotten hurt by his gotten hurt by his finisher in the past, but I just mean in terms of like it wouldn't be two big clumsy right. guys. I think that the pace, you know, AJ Styles can make the pace of the match seem faster without the Undertaker having to completely go all out and exactly. overexert himself. It's about as good as a as a matchup for the Undertaker as I'd want to see because really I'm fine with him just being done. It's I'm all about his entrance, sure to be honest. I mean, that's why people watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's that's very true. That's very true. But um, hopefully they would just do something that didn't go on too long. You know, the Undertaker wins. It's not it's not much sweat at all to, to get AJ Styles up in the air for a choke slam or or a Tombstone or something like that. You know, I, I I was entertained by the WrestleMania match with Undertaker and John Cena. I thought that was fun. You know, they could just do something like that, like a yeah, real quick. Squash. Yeah, like you know, Cena came out. Yeah. Next thing you know, he's just getting destroyed by Undertaker after he had all his surgery. He looked like he was healthy again, and he looked quick and, yep. and good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. Yeah, and AJ Styles is one of my all-time favorites too. So he definitely could go in the ring and. Oh man, he's so talented, man. He's dope. Maybe, maybe even underutilized a little bit by wwe currently i would agree with that he's not in the title picture or anything like that uh the the women's wrestling has come so far too i mean 
yeah. Becky Lynch and yeah. you know, my all-time favorite is Gail Kim, and you've got you know Asuka and oh, yeah. so, Sasha Banks, so many great That's, wrestlers, and you know AEW uh, what they're doing. My favorite. I love her with the, with the green mist. Hands, hands down, hands down, that's my favorite woman wrestler. Yeah, and like, like people, I, I wonder if people make that connection with like, because I've I've heard people say like, oh, you know, what is this like Kabuki Warriors thing? But it's like if you remember the great Kabuki, right? You know, he had the he had the green mist, and so the fact that they worked that into the title of the team that's and so then cool, she has man. the green mist now, I think it's genius. And she is just like so talented, just so good at what yeah. she does. She really makes she she's one of those people that gives you that suspension of disbelief like you can forget what you're watching is fake for a little while while you while you see an oscar <laughs> and i love when so she when, so oh yeah i love when she yells in japanese she's just screaming yeah, i don't know oh, what she's man. saying but i know she's, she's like a classic wrestler yeah <laughs> that's so uh, great absolutely man. man absolutely man so before i let you go i got to ask you about the new record with lx beats uh talk yep. about that one and the song that we're going to play here copay which, you know, we kind of right. touched on a little bit with the healthcare system already, but, you know, I wish these yeah. debates, they will play your song before they come out because everything they need to talk about on the debate stage is in that record, man. <laughs> uh, somebody else said that. One of my colleagues at, at school said that recently on Twitter. See? That should be the theme song for the for the Democratic National Convention. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, yeah, man, I mean, you know, some of that is just a matter of, of who the stuff reaches, man. You know, there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't reach the ears that it needs to reach in order to get to that level. But uh, who knows? Like, you know, it's the same thing I can say with the teaching, man. You just stay on that path and, and, and let it play out because, you know, for as long as I stay assertive with what I'm doing, it seems as though good things continue to come my way. So I'm just going to keep trying to do that. But um, as far as as far as the record with LX, you know, it was a long time coming. We originally wanted to do the record in like 2015, 2016 around the time we did the shotgun single and video. And so we did that. And so this EP or album, you know, it was supposed to be built around shotgun. And uh, so then perceptionist got signed to mellow music group. And so we had to do the resolution album and that was a really involved process. A lot of flying to the West coast and a lot of doing shows, you know, we did the tiny desk concert. And by, by the time I looked up and we were done doing the promotion for resolution, it was like, you know, middle of 2018. And I still hadn't finished this record with LX beat. So I got back to that and, and put it all together. And, um, you know, that was that. But I in, back in 2015, I went on tour, went on tour with him through Finland. So we had established a fan base and people were ready for it. So when we dropped the record, Finland was all over it. So we did that. We we got uh, Ed OG, Mr. Lift and MDOT on the record with us. And so he produced, LX Beats produced the whole thing. And it was an opportunity for me to just kind of, you know, like most of my records, it, it's basically... Uh, kind of a, a window into just what my life had been like for those last few years since I started making that record. And so, you know, one of the things that I have been doing a lot of is, well, one is, is smoking weed. If you notice, there's like weed references on every song. <laughs> I didn't even notice that until after the shit came out. I was like, oh, damn, like every song, the first four bars I'm talking about. Getting high. <laughs> Not on Cypress Hill level, but you definitely talked about it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that, though. You know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, so so there was that. But then there was also, like, I was really, I feel like the, the political situation, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't get talked about that much. But, like, 
you know, just like all the stuff around the elections and all the issues that were talked about or not talked about, those were also things that I felt like, you know, needed to come up. So I got got to get a lot out of my chest. I got to talk about, uh, you know, the relationship with the police and and uh, definitely the healthcare situation and just like family stuff. Like I went to a family reunion and it inspired the Live at the Barbecue song that's at the end of the record. So, you know, I just try to keep it true to, to what I'm going on. I, I, I live and then I write it, right? Like like Prodigy said, I put my life down in between the paper's lines, you know? Man. And, and that's that's what it's for, man. That's that's what I did with this one. And, and I made a very strong ally and great friend in LX Beats. And I think that people will hear more from us together, too. And he's he's become, like, one of the biggest hip-hop producers in his country. So I think it was a good collaboration for both of us. And, and Copay is a song where I talk about the healthcare system in America and just kind of the way it just kind of screws people over, uh, or, you know, because our country seems to think that the profits of, of major corporations are more important than the lives and health of the citizens of the country, which is really fucked up. And then I also got an opportunity to talk about the medical marijuana situation here because that is something that is changing because even though, as you know, it's still considered a class one federal illegal drug right, you know right. states states are starting to say you know whatever man you know we're going to have dispensaries we're going to let people grow because this shit is not killing anyone Correct. and it's actually it's actually helping and so you know like i say in the song it, it, at least we can't get locked up no more for getting weeded you know I, I i know people that have had to actually spend jail time just for having like less than a joint of weed on their person ridiculous while they got pulled over or something like that and that you know it's just a way it's just a way to demean people humiliate people and make money by getting them into the prison industrial complex system so that that's what that's what copay is about and i just try to at least give it a little bit of a lighter spin to to say hey you know it looks like there might be some light at the end of the tunnel here it sucks that my copay is so high but you know we're, we're moving in a direction where you know, we might be able to, to, to see some some progress. And where can people find the full album and follow you on uh, social media and stuff like that? Yeah, the full album is available. It's streaming everywhere. Um, it's it's uh it's strictly it's strictly on streaming platforms for now. There there may be there may be some physicals uh, later on down the line. But the way to keep up with all that, I would say, would be to follow me on social media you know I, I i'm on just about every platform at acrobatic mc so that's a-k-r-o-b-a-t-i-k-m-c you know that's good for soundcloud facebook twitter instagram bandcamp you know if you want to go and actually like buy some vinyl or a cd or something like that bandcamp acrobatic mc.bandcamp.com is a good place for that and um yeah and i'm also you know i'm on spotify pandora apple music like you know, if you just Google acrobatic, I think it'll pretty much bring up everywhere that you can find my stuff and, and what I'm doing. And I'm just going to be also working on more ways to get myself out there a little more, maybe even something like a podcast that's related to my class. Um, but I think that this that would is be cool, be, too, man. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too, man. And, and so I, I think that this is going to be a, a pivotal year for me in terms of just like because I'm definitely kind of on the introvert side in terms of just like always engaging with the public and stuff like that. And people have been asking me to do that more and I'm going to really make a concerted effort to, to do that in 2020 and just be a little more available, you know? 
Maybe not on Twitter, but <laughs> you got to be careful on there. <laughs> Man. I'm going to put more music out. I'm going to fo- I'm going to focus on that because I do think that it's a waste of time to get into arguments and debates with people on Twitter and shit like that. Nah. So, you know, I'm just sharing my content. Like right now on Facebook, my Facebook page, I share all of the video content and talk a little bit about my class every Tuesday and Thursday. So, you know, you get to see what I'm actually talking with, with my students. And I share some of the, some of the points that were brought up and things like that and give my, my perspectives on it too. So I think that that's a cool thing that you can kind of check out, check back, check my Facebook page, you know, once a week or something like that. You can keep kind of caught up with what I'm doing on my class. And if you follow me on Spotify, which I really hope everybody does, I'm definitely going to be posting like playlists and links to tracks that I'm featured on that maybe you might not have heard and stuff like that. It's a good, good one-stop place. And so is SoundCloud for that reason. Cause SoundCloud, I can even, you know, sometimes I'll upload music that I haven't officially released yet. And you can be one of the first to hear it by going there. And all that is Acrobatic MC. Go out there and follow Acrobatic. Professor A to the K. Check him out. Yes, sir. <laughs> I got to check out the Tuesday, Thursday class videos that you have on there, man. Thanks so much for coming on this yeah. podcast with me. I mean, I'm just like, I was like over the moon when you when you said you'd come through. Uh, so I, like I said, mad geek. It's great to have people out there that that want to support man and, and and help me get the word out of what I'm doing there. And and you know, anytime you want to have me back, please, I'm I'm more than willing. And you want to check out that Cubs Sox game? Just find it on the schedule. Let me know when it's gonna be. And Dude, we'll put it in motion. As soon as I hang up this phone, I'm gonna make sure they're not coming there this year because I don't think they are. But if they are, I'm gonna tell the wife. And my eight-month-old, that we're gonna have to make a trip to Boston somehow. We're gonna <laughs> we gotta go see no Acrobatic and, and the Mookie Betts list Red Sox. Yeah, the Mookie <laughs> Betts list Red Sox. Yeah, <laughs> probably won't score very much. <laughs> you still got Bradley, and um, you know, you guys got some you yeah. got a squad there still. Just uh, you know, just not I, as good as I think. Was. I think you're gonna see a team that gives up a lot of ground ball base hits. I'm just I'm just guessing. Yeah, but I, I think you know I, I think our defense has taken a hit here. Yeah. Um, David Price was kind of on the downswing, but losing right. that, that that's tough. That was just tough. I, oh, well. I, I don't get it we'll at all. Off. One of the great players in the game, yeah. and just, ugh, yeah, it doesn't know. make any that's sense. Right. We got a couple of banners hanging at the JetBlue Kiosk. There, there you go. There <laughs> you go. It's reminders, <laughs> just in case. Because my team, the yes, Cubs, sir. they won one, and I don't know if they'll ever win one again, but, you know, we got Oof. we got our one, <laughs> which yeah. I never thought what I would see. Was that Kerry so. Wood? Was Kerry Wood on that team? No, uh, 2016. No. It was uh, you know like Jake Arrieta, oh, yeah, John Lester. Yeah, he was on the heard, team. Oh yeah, that, you got him from us. Yeah, yeah, John Lester. Yep. He was uh, one of the Red Sox all-time legends and uh, came here and became yeah. a Cubs legend. He got it, one with. Him. Yeah, we got Theo Epstein who helped build the Red Sox. So Lester and Epstein Damn. broke two yeah. curses. If you think That's about what it, happens. All yeah. our guys go everywhere else. It's the same thing with the Patriots, man. Like all of our former coaches go around and then they come back and beat Bill Belichick. <laughs> You know, Mike Vrabel did that with the, within the playoffs this year. Yeah, he was really good. Uh, he, I thought he was gonna. I couldn't believe how far he took that team. To be honest, I mean, they really were up until they got yeah. to Kansas City. They were really looking good. Yeah, he's he's connecting with those players real well for sure. Man, but thanks again, Acrobatic. Everybody, go out there and follow him. Catch that new album, AKLX. And uh, yeah, yes. once again, Acrobatic. I appreciate your time, man. Pleasure's all mine, brother. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Acrobatic for coming on the show. And here it is, that new song called Copay from his new album with LX Beats called AKLX on all streaming platforms. Go check it out. 
but here is Copay from Acrobatic and LX Beats on the Infinite Banter Podcast. Hey, yo, what up, LX, man? Just like the hustler on your block, except I'm pushing insulin instead of crack rock. So don't be fucking indolent, line up in that spot. Pardon my insolence, but you need what I got. Million dollar shot in your belly if it was up to Martin Shkreli. The whole thing's starting to get smelly. It's overpopulation in the morgue. While they're plotting to become cyborgs, this ain't sci-fi. I hope it's more than porn in your Wi-Fi. Why die? Every day's a gift and they fly by. Like the ads controlling what the culture's buying. So they can slow down the rate at which we multiplying. They well aware the members of their cult are dying Circling above us like a bunch of hungry vultures flying We should all want private insurance Why? So we could die and not survive with endurance? <laughs> Big Pharma will define his legacy As damaging to all of our lives expectancies This ain't a party record, but I had to record it Cause my people gonna do better and I'm here for it Here's to your health and here's to getting help if you need it The machine's eating us, but we continue to feed it No way should my copay be so high No way should my copay be so high and here's to your freedom and here's to making bail if you need it at least they can't lock us up no more for getting weeded no way should my copay be so high no way should my copay be so high yo i thought my rights was unalienable why you hoarding all of the rights save me a few some say that hustling's the easy solution but not everyone can do the shit you see me producing but how you not gonna do what you gotta do when the doors to the school and hospital are always locked to you for decades they said weed was evil till brothers started getting that cake now shit is legal the devil's plan it'll fuck you up mentally now it's twenty dollars a gram at the dispensary meanwhile so many of my brothers got crime tags and some are still sitting in jail for selling dime bags the scene on the streets is looking morbid while supporters only giving to the ones who can afford it this is sorted if you're poor and if your neighborhood is boarded then you probably get ignored and only tragedies reported it makes me think how many people got deported because they transported cocaine the politicians snorted this ain't a party record but i had to record it because my people gonna do better and i'm here for it here's to your health and here's to getting help if you need it the machines eating us but we continue to feed it no way should my copay be so high no way should my copay be so high and here's to your freedom and here's to making bail if you need it at least they can't lock us up no more for getting weeded no way should my copay be so high no way should my copay be so high <coughs> Infinite Banner, man, wow, what a name, I love that. Yeah, man, I've been from Maine to Spain and deep down in the Ukraine, from ocean to ocean to coast to coast, north, south, east, and west, but one place I've never been is to the Infinite Banner. Time for you to leave, assholes. Kirk Acevedo said it's time to leave, so that is exactly what we are going to do. Thanks again to Acrobag for coming on here. It was just really an honor to talk to him. Been a fan of his for so long. I got to get out to Boston, man. I got to go see a, a Red Sox game. So cool to talk to him about everything from sports and wrestling to his health and all he's gone through and being a teacher and just so much. And his career, of course, and the new album. So big up to Acrobatic. Definitely go follow him and check out that new album, AKLX, on all streaming platforms and follow him on social media at Acrobatic MC. All right, you can follow me at DJ Soundwave75 on Instagram, Facebook at Infinite Banter, and on Twitter at Infinite Banter or at DJ Soundwave75. Listen to the show on all digital platforms, the usual places you find your podcasts. I am probably there 
more than likely. So thanks for checking out the Infinite Banter podcast. All right, before I go, we'll leave you with one more acrobatic song. He and I talked about this record in his interview. It is called Internet MCs. And for some of you listening, it might cut a little close to the core. Maybe not, but uh, it's it's definitely an all-timer for acrobatics. So check out this record on your way out. And again, appreciate everybody for listening to the show, reposting and letting other people know about it. And once again, big up to acrobatic. So here we go. I'm out of here. See you on the next one. Here is acrobatic with Internet MCs. See you on the next one. I'm out. What's the password? Password. You know the password? Password. I know it. Password is detonator. Let me type it in real quick. Welcome. Hi. Let's check this. You've got mail. Word up. Bust it. The internet's your medium of choice Cause nobody really wants to hear your corny ass voice You ain't an MC just because you could type On the mic in real life your ass will get sniped You a man with a mouse who can't rock the house Jerking off to gay porn while wearing your girl's blouse You know you never see no real life fame So you're looking for some recognition through a screen name No doubt, no threat, y'all ain't the pro set Rapping 10 years and not a paid show yet I love to get online and shine and drop bombs But my music can be found on more than dot coms Your website gets a whole lot of hits But in the real world, son, you ain't saying shit Caps run their mouth on AOL But every time they drop a 12-inch, they don't sell You love the anonymity, you hide behind the shadow Always trying to get someone to chat room battle Crying cause heads only rhyme one syllable Who made the rule you gotta use every millisec because it's fillable I'ma snatch your webmaster, break both his legs Post it on your site, format it as JPEGs Rip you on your own site and sign your guest book Then go into your chat room and leave the reg shook What percent of these rappers can compete? Reboot their whole shit, control, alt, delete Yo, you could have a PC and a Mac But you internet MCs can't see I If a rapper try to diss When, when, when you online I, 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 I crush the motherfucker Try to diss. When, when, when you online, I, 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 I crush the motherfucker. Carpal tunnel syndrome can't make a fist. I rip every MC on your buddy list. Show the light to you so bright that your eyesight fail. Now you're doing all your correspondence through e-braille. Cats get online and start all types of static, but heads without computers know what's up with acrobatic. Cause I rock real mics in real life. Rip real crowds, real shows, real sites. Plus your anonymous gab, it don't bother me. I don't give a fuck if you got AOL or Prodigy. Your crew screams that you the illest of all time. When your only fans are all your nerdy friends that rhyme. And even if you is nice, no one will ever hear. Cause you in front of the keyboard too much to develop your career. And half of y'all is just teenagers. You don't know jack about what ripping up the stages. So I'ma get a crew of online MC pirates. Infect all your computers with a flesh-eating virus. Chew up all your fingers so you can no longer type. Then expose your lack of flow when you approach the open mic. So internet MCs, heed my advice. Online key styles don't make you nice. Bring it to the streets and start to rabble rousing. Sincerely yours, Acro 2000. What percent of these rappers can compete? Reboot their whole shit, control, alt, delete. Yo, you could have a PC and a Mac, but you internet MCs can't see I if a rapper try to diss. Wait, wait, when you online, I, 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 I crush the motherfucker. Rapper try to diss. Wait, 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 when you online, cr- 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 crush the motherfucker. 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 Crush the motherfucker.